Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai, host of the Golden Nuggets podcast. Welcome to episode five, part two. Part two is full of golden nuggets as you learn about creative financing and leveraging other people's money to create a win-win situation, passive income and active income strategies, leveraging your home line of credit to fund deals or use it as a means of generating more wealth, and last but not least, another hot topic, hiring the right property manager for your investments. We discuss where and how to find good property managers, analyze the hidden fees that you should be aware of, and as a bonus golden nugget, write off expenses using gift cards. Shh, don't tell the CRA you heard that here. With that being said, please help me reach as many eyes and ears as possible by sharing this podcast across all over social media, including Instagram and Facebook stories. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. It'll help the YouTube algorithm and help people find these videos. It costs you absolutely nothing, and it will greatly help me create more free content and have more amazing guests like Andrew Cox on the show for you. Thank you so much for your support. Please enjoy episode five, part two with Andrew Cox. Yeah. But essentially, I, like I didn't know enough back then. And I made some some bit of mistakes when it came to the ability to refinance. So I had a lot of equity tied, as I told you, like a, over 100000 in each property. Right. So what I ended up doing was I bought a couple properties with this new uh, partner who happens to be somebody that I know quite well and trust. So then what I said to him is, well, if you want to keep going, why don't you partner in on me with my existing properties? Mm. So basically what I did is I gave him equity in my existing properties for an exchange for his qualification. We got a right. new mortgage for t- to d- double the amount. And I got all of my equity out. So he he gets equity moving forward and all the pre-existing equity was mine. So so that was a big payday for me. And it also allowed me to go ahead and be more aggressive in, in 2020 to acquire like those other properties with him. Like I I put in some of the renovation budget, he put in the down payment, and then and then mm-hmm. it's like it's a true 50-50. Right. It's so I have money in the deal equally as much as he does. So when we bird out, if we, you know, however much we can get back, we split it in half. And, and so all the expenses are split in half and everything. So that's that relationship. Um, so right now I have four in partnership, 50-50. And with this particular partner, we're going to keep going in 2021 and get some more. And and he's he's also agreed to... Um, to help me fund some of the flips. That's awesome. That, that's really good. So clearly he, he likes what the, what the partnership's going and he sees the value in you and uh, he's willing to invest and grow the portfolio more, which is really, really good to hear, right? Well, this, so the, you know, at the beginning of 2020, he's like, yeah, I'd like to buy some houses. And I bought him four houses in less than a year. Plus right. he actually partnered with me on the fifth one that I'm actually, we've got the accepted offer on. Mm-hmm. So it, he had five houses inside of a year and he, his life didn't change. He still goes to work and comes home to his kids. And, you know, it's a pretty valuable relationship for, for the, the person that's providing the, the financing. Yeah. Yeah. So again, he's, he's being passive and that's what he wanted. And you kind of taking over, you know, yeah. the, the more the active side. And what I love about you is, is like you're active, but you're not also active. You, you found the fine line where, <laughs> you kind of get in, right? You, you do the renovations, you get it to par, you, you find the tenants. And then after that, you just wanted to like, right, take it off the gas pedal and next yeah. relax, which is really, that, really that, important. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause like for me, it's, it's a fair bit of work for three months. Right. And then it's never anything. 
it just goes <laughs> away, you know. It must have hard work and then it pays off. <laughs> yeah. And just keep keep repeating that. And you know, the so the, the thing about the investor, just going back that I wanted to say is my only real question is how much money do you have? I can spend it. I can get you as many houses as you can possibly afford and fast. Right. Like we we did we did five deals inside of a year together. Right. So just any you know partners out there, it's like just tell me the number and I'll hit it. You know? Yeah. But um. But yeah, the the amount of effort. I was going to say, uh, the realization is comes back to what it, what do you want, right? And and I say like I don't I don't want to kill myself for this. This is not the intention. I mean, there there is the concept of, you know, work. Uh, what is it? Do do what others aren't willing to do now, so that you can live like others can't live later or whatever. And, you know, hustle for 10 years so that you can retire for the next 40 or whatever. Right. Um, but at the same note, when you look at it, you you can acquire like like I did five properties in a year and I and I don't feel stressed about I sorry, six properties in one year deals. Yeah. And I don't it didn't tire me out. Like I didn't work that hard at it. So when you're hustling, it's like Think about what you really want and and how much do you really need? Mm-hmm. So if you're just for retirement, you know, you can, okay, four properties bought at $200,000 in a market that's appreciating like wildfire. Yeah. You know, in, in 20 years, those properties are going to be worth three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah. So it's like, I realized very quickly that if all I'm doing is looking for my retirement, well, it's done. I'm finished. Right. I don't need any more. You know? Yeah. So I just sell those houses in 20 years when I'm 60. I mean, I want to retire sooner. So that's what keeps me going. So now the goal, the goal <laughs> is shifted from forget 65. You yeah. Know? It's it's 55. And and you know, I'm looking at it now thinking like, could I even do 50, you know, uh, for fully retired? And that's quite a lofty goal. And that would make you have to work really hard. But yeah. I, I consider what I'm doing, I consider myself semi-retired. Like I don't have a job, which mm-hmm. is great. Like before what before I got on here with you, I, I think I, I fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> like, you can do whatever you want. Um yeah. you got the freedom. And 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 as far as like I like what I do, so yeah. So I don't mind doing this forever. I might dial it back. But my goal, um, I, I'm really following, for any of those that follow Matt Pichet, like I'm following his his principles. Get a bunch of houses in the first five to 10 years. Yeah. I might have to do it a bit sooner because I'm, or, or a bit faster because I'm coming at it a bit later than he did. But get a bunch of houses, convert that into to money to then lend out. And so, you know, in, in sort of five, or sorry, maybe like within 10 years, I want to be, uh, private lending and just do whatever I want to do. You know, that's the the most passive form of real estate investing possible. Yes. That's where I want to end up. So that's yeah, to, to your point. Exactly. Right. Like you, 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 what you want to do is very important. Like you said, there's some that just want to work for the retirement and there, there's some that want to retire from the job. See, see the difference, right? One is, okay, they love their job, they love their career, they're doctors, lawyers, whatever. Maybe they love what they're doing, which is awesome, amazing, right? And then there are folks that are like, they, they're working in a corporate job or whatever sort of job may be, and they're not quite happy with it because they're like, you know what? I need to spend time with family. I want to travel. So then they're putting on that extra work to get that. So then based on that, I love that you brought that up. That's when you got to tweak your your goals and and, and, and your strategy, right? So Buying and hold is fantastic, but it is a long-term goal, right? You got to sit on it for a while to get the appreciation, to do the refi, to pull up your, your investment in. Um, so you need to figure out if you want to get out of the whole nine to five, you need to have also have passive income. So active income and passive income needs to be combined in order for you to sustain the business model. Because otherwise, if you, let's just say like on an average property, let's just hypothetically say is about $500 cash flow. And your income is two thousand a month. You need at least four of those per month, right? Coming in for you to 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 get something so you can replace your income, right? 
Um, yeah. Others have different goals. They want 20,000 a month or 30,000 dollars a month. So you got to figure that out. So reverse engineer the whole thing. Sit down. How much is my income? What do I want? How, how realistic is this for me to get? How can I do it? Was this going to be through passive, through uh, cash flow, or is it going to be through active like flips, uh, you know, renovations if they're, you know, a handy person or wholesaling, whatever it may be. So I'm kind of in the midst of that as well. I'm getting to a point where I'm like, okay, yes, I'm doing passive, which is fantastic. But in order for me to scale up is either you got a JV to, uh, with other folks or what I'm working on more is the, the active. So a real estate business, right? Like I'm a, I'm a realtor, so I'm working with clients now and I'm looking at potentially even looking at wholesaling and getting into those sets of uh, scenarios and flipping is another great one. But flipping to, to your point, you got to find the right property with the right margins because it can be quite expensive if you don't know what you're doing. So Yeah, it's the, it's the, the, the fuck up factor can be huge on those. Like real estate in general is very forgiving. If, if you are buying hold and you bought it too expensive, as long as you can maintain the 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 you know funding it like the cash flows at least break even or even if it's not break even and you have to funnel a hundred bucks a month in as long as you can afford that you'll come out the other end smelling like roses eventually um flipping isn't as forgiving but i also just wanted to point out you know based on what you're saying about the passive and the active too is like your relationship to the money the active money should be designated in such a way to then create the passive income. Mm -hmm. People can't ignore that fact. It's you have to have in some form, you have to have active money to be able to, to buy the the passive asset. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and, I mean, there's all sorts of strategies that, I mean, I'm, I'm looking into various, various things where, if if you can use your money more than once so what i'm what i'm going to do is start i have a a big mortgage on my property but it's a readvanceable mortgage for my primary residence mm-hmm. and the only property that i own that i don't like is my own because i know that it's the one that costs me money Correct. it's my anchor right yeah so what i'm going to start doing is funneling money from my projects into my mortgage thereby opening up my credit line more for every dollar i put in and i can i can pay in advance per year like something like seventy five thousand dollars a year um but then i get that money back in the form of a credit line which then i can redeploy in investments so the money comes in flows through pays down my mortgage my so my interest I mean, your mortgage interest is like, if it's a $500,000 mortgage, it's like $500,000 in interest too, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you funnel it through and then redeploy it, it's now tax deductible because it's for investment purposes. Right. So in a sense, I'm moving that money twice because if I spend it in cash to f- pay a renovator or a contractor, it's just gone forever. Mm-hmm. And my mortgage is still as high as it's ever been. Right. Well, obviously I'm paying it down. But right, so right. I, I'm I'm trying to really educate myself on where best to funnel the money, you know, and and then you know even take the take the home equity credit line that you have, open it up more and more and more, and then loan that money out as private private lending at twelve or fifteen percent. But meanwhile, a HELOC is what it's like two and a half or three percent right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're making, you could make ten percent legitimately just by borrowing your HELOC money. You got a HELOC for $500,000, 10% a year. I'd be happy with $5,000 a month. That's right. I don't, That's I don't right. live a very extravagant life. So <laughs> there, I'm, I'm retired. Fuck it. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's a power of leveraging money correctly. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, that's where that, it, you know, the financial literacy needs to come in. And also, you know, uh, uh, a lot of folks, dep- depends on the, the expectations and how they want to live, right? Like, like you sound like, you know, you, you will have a very low standard of life. I wouldn't say, let's say low, though, but like, you know, median. But some folks imagine, you know, they want to be by the beachfront, have, you know, a Mercedes, a Lamborghini, and like five-door garages, which is great. But like, it all depends on what your expectations in life are because um, a lot of us fall in that trap where we get a raise from our jobs, for instance, and what we do is we go buy a new car. We upgrade our vehicle. 
that's not giving me anything. Then maybe a few runs in the in the street when I'm smiling, but then after a while, it's a car, right? Yeah. Uh, I take my raises and I t- put it in my RSP. <laughs> there you go. You, you got to figure out something, right? Like where where make money makes you money, and so I love that you brought that up. That you can even leverage banks' money to give it back to someone else, then earn money on top of that to and to pay off your loan, which is fantastic. Where I think that's the end goal. Where do the banks get the money? They just borrow it from somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. You you go try robbing a bank, there's nothing in the vault. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I It's a funny story. I, I bought a, a, a truck and it was only like $5,000 and the guy wanted cash. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, can we just e-transfer it? Or, okay, but he was like, he wanted cash because of the security of it. So I right. went to the bank and I found out for, for that much money, you actually have to order it in advance. Yeah. Five they don't have that in the bank. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> I was, I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's just, everything's just digital now. Right. It's just, yeah. uh, everything just basic accounting. Andrew has this much money. Ross has this much money. So if it goes to his account, there's this, 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 this like the physical, Cash doesn't exist anymore. We're, we're in a digital era. Everything is just tap, tap, swipe, swipe. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this whole Bitcoin thing actually comes into place and takes a huge uh, factor in the market because who knows? I mean, I personally don't invest in it, but I can see it because it's crazy what's going on around the world now. Yeah, I follow I follow the Warren Buffett model as I don't invest in something I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me neither. <laughs> I have to educate for myself first before I get into something like that. Yeah, and you're too busy <laughs> making YouTube videos. <laughs> Taking all yeah. your time. That's right. Yeah. I'm too busy doing other things at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, so one more thing I wanted to ask you, Andrew, as well, is, is the biggest hurdle that a lot of folks have, especially when they're trying to invest, you know, kind of distant, is, is the whole property management aspect of it, right? So I know you hired um, property managers, but like walk us through how that was. I mean, um, what are, I guess, some of the criteria you look for before hiring a property manager? Because there's a ton of them out there. Like, how do you... Screen them. Let's put it that way. Just like your tenant, uh, you know, screen a tenant, for instance. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I did and then what I should have done. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so so uh, I had a bit of a wish list. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I Googled property managers in Windsor, pretty, you know, pretty <laughs> simple process, right? But it's funny because property managers, I don't know if this is everywhere, but they're not actually that easy to find. A lot of them don't really promote themselves. It's just strictly word of mouth. Um, And they could be like, almost like no fixed address. It's not like they have an office. Some of the bigger ones will have an office on a main street or something like that, or, and and a Google, like a a webpage. But a lot of the ones that I found by starting to ask around actually did not have, I mean, maybe they've got a Facebook page. Right. Like my, my current property manager only has a Facebook page mm-hmm. and they only use that because that's where they post their ads in Facebook marketplace. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 I Googled and I was looking for, for me, I wanted to, to be uh, managed by somebody who implemented technology, who used technology. I, I'm a real systems uh, app kind of guy to make my life simple. I want everything digital. I don't right. want um, an email with a document attached to this and that. I'd like rather have a, a portal that I log in that just has everything to do with my property or something. And I found a few that did that. Um, the one I was going to go to, which is the biggest in Windsor. Um, and of course the biggest companies have mixed reviews. There's always people that love them and hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it turned out, the first property that I bought was a boarding house, technically speaking, by the room. And they had decided at some point in their term that they don't do boarding houses anymore because they are, are uh, he- heavy, heavily intensive uh, from the management perspective. So my first choice actually turned me down. Yeah. Uh, so then I had to go to the second choice. And I, um, it was, I, I went to Windsor and I actually spoke to a representative, um, nice lady. I didn't think there was any red flags. 
but as it turned out, when I started to 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 operate with them, there was a lot of staff turnover. The lady I talked to was pregnant when I talked to her, so she was actually gone like within three months. Right. And then it all just went downhill from there. So I honestly, I don't, I don't know what the secret sauce is for for interviewing. I, I find that what I've learned now is that really they're probably the reason that half of them didn't have websites is because word of mouth is the best way I've had a good experience. So then I will share that experience. Like if somebody asks me who my property manager is, it's Frank from CFK management. I love him. Right. Never steered me wrong. His prices are reasonable. You know, he cuts me breaks here and there. He doesn't gouge me. And that's what I look for because a lot of the property management, you know, the price might seem low going in, but you got to look for the additionals because there's a ton of them. You know, you do want um, uh, uh, bi-yearly inspections. Do you want like a furnace filter check? Do you want a smoke detector check? Do you want snow removal? Do you want grass cutting? Do you want leaf collection? Do you want whatever, like there's infinite number of things that they try to yeah. tack on. Tenant placement, tenant screening, yeah. Yeah, and some of them do tenant, uh, they'll do a percentage of the first month's rent or the entire first month's rent, whereas some of them just have a fixed fee. Mm-hmm. I prefer the fixed fee ones. Um, yeah. So I pay a lot less because I'm, if, if you're just doing, you can go to any property manager for tenant screening and they're going to charge you the full pop that seems to be universal because you're not a, a client of theirs, but okay. you are a client of theirs. You can often get a fixed fee for the, uh, uh, the screening and the placement. So I, I sort of look at it and say, like, hey, what do you really get? And I think that property managers tend to also do a very good job of, I don't know if it's intentional, but it's hard to compare apples to apples. So you really have to look at all the different, okay, what are the additional fees? Like, what are the services that that I might want? And see if you can get some sort of a list of everything that that is involved. And, and know, too, like, if you're doing a single-family house, essentially there's nothing to, to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, you might want to get in there once or twice a year under the guise of checking smoke detectors because you do have a liability there. Right. Um, and then at the same time when you're in there, you kind of just look around at stuff um and make sure that it's not getting carried away but other than that the tenant is 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 responsible for all the maintenance and everything if it's a multi situation of any kind <clears throat> now you've got to look at is there um you know are they charging you per door and remember that per door is the actual door of the dwelling space so if it's by the room then it's the the bedroom door not mm-hmm. the front door of the house a single yeah. family is the front door of the house um but there's going to be snow removal and and because it's a common space, like nobody in the house is responsible for any one thing, cleaning common spaces, you know, you're going to get cleaners. So you do want to like educate yourself and, and know what's a potential cost. And then does the property manager um, build that in? Is there some sort of a standard maintenance service package that they provide? Um, but I mean, those things, those things are, are good to know. Um, a lot of that will be discovered on a, a phone call and, 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 you know, perhaps if they do have a website, uh, but I find that they don't, they also won't tell you about a lot of stuff. They won't necessarily tell you the whole picture. So you really do have to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. But as far as getting a property manager, I, I mean, I would say word of mouth. Definitely, definitely. Because nowadays, now I know at the time, like I said, I was using Bigger Pockets was my online source in books. I didn't know any real estate investors. Right. So now I would say like, oh my God, there's so many Facebook groups. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, and I would post in a forum and just say, you know, who do you recommend? Because no yeah. one's gonna, re- no one's gonna recommend somebody that they they wouldn't trust. You know, like they don't want a bad reputation for recommending a bad person. Yeah. Absolutely. But also keep in mind. At a certain point, your property manager could turn bad, and it's not necessarily for um, spiteful reasons or anything like that. But I've I've found that the trend tends to be that property managers grow beyond their 
capabilities and what starts off as, I mean, it's a very easy industry from what I can understand to get into is essentially you just need to be a person with a computer, <laughs> right? There's not a lot of limitations to entry. Like a, land, a lot of landlords can get into being a property manager as a side business because if you have six or 10 properties, you, you have all of the infrastructure in place to manage. Right. So you just take on other people. But the problem is, is sure, I don't know what the sweet spot is, but, you know, 50 or 100 doors beyond, now you have to upgrade those systems. Now you have to hire some office staff, somebody to answer a 24-hour emergency line, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And it's mm-hmm. when they don't want to spend the additional money to upgrade their infrastructure because property management is a very low margin business. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if they don't upgrade their infrastructure, then their service starts to to fall. Where, where now you start to get tenants that aren't getting uh, somebody on the other end of the phone or or a response to an email for a leaky faucet or a light or or whatever's going on. Yeah. Which then turns to bad, you know, unhappy tenants. Which then turns to if they're unhappy, they don't take care of the property as well, and then you know it snowballs from there. And now now you've just all of a sudden you've got bad tenants, and it's only because you didn't respond. Um, yeah, so it is pretty volume based, sounds like, right? So, yeah, if, if they're not keeping up with the volume, they're spreading themselves too thin and they're not able to, you know, respond and reach out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my struggle right now, I'm, I'm self managing. And what I noticed was, you know, the properties that I've gone in and purchased uh, while, you know, going through the listing and then viewings and whatnot, they're not taken care of. It's, it's incredible. So, I'm not saying necessarily it's the property manager's fault because some of them are properly managed um, or it's a landlord. I'm not sure, uh, but you walk in and you, it was funny. Uh, one of the properties I looked into recently, I walked in and I'm like looking up and I'm like, is there a uh, smoke alarm or a detector anywhere? And I'm with the property manager beside me and she goes, Oh yeah, I never realized that. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, so how long you've been, like, you know, looking yeah. after this property? Oh, two years. So I'm like, so in two years, there has been no smoke detectors in this room or this hallway. I was shocked. I could not yeah, believe yeah. my eyes. And that's the thing. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to go, quite honestly, they're not going to go above and beyond. And, and you know, my property manager, you know, he, he's straightforward with me. He says, like, I'm not, like, realistically, I'm not driving by your property every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if there's a problem, we deal with it. And, you know, maybe we, we, we do check I don't know, periodically we do a drive-by. They're not really allowed in the house unless there's a good reason. Right. So so unless they were, say, doing a regularly scheduled uh, checks and, and then they were checking for smoke detectors and there wasn't one there, you know, <laughs> they have known. But I think the other thing to, to really keep in mind, too, is that uh, a lot of property managers can also get a bad name because they have bad landlords. Mm. And if I don't ask you to check the smoke detectors and I don't ask you to get snow clearing, you're not going to do it. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I wasn't sure. I'm like, it yeah. definitely, I cannot put all the blame on, on the one individual because me being a, you know, an investor or a landlord myself, these are the things that I look for. So the communication is key, right? So you're, you're back to your question earlier, you have a certain criteria. And I think that needs to be communicated pretty well with the property manager to see if you both align, right? So what are your expectations and can they provide that value to you, right? And if they don't, you're dealing with the wrong person because we want our properties run in a certain way. And if they can't provide that, then there's no point of pursuing this relationship because it's not going to work out. Yeah. And I think it's key too to remember that you're going to get what you pay for there are, I was shocked. There are some property managers that were like 250 bucks a month mm-hmm. for a single family house. And I was like, what, what? <laughs> um, but what they, they were taking care of everything, the yeah. bills that like you basically have a bank account, you put money in it and they take care of the bills and well, not even the rents are taking care of the bills. So they just have access to your hydro and cable and, and, um, gas and all those sorts of things. And they, they just take care of everything. So you're going to pay for that. And, you know, if you want that bi-yearly smoke detector check and a furnace filter check and a, a this check and a that check and a check, 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 it all adds up. Um, so I think that, you know, you, you start to, 
as landlords, the bottom line is becomes very like a primary driver. And I think that when you start looking into property management, you, you become very aware very quickly that I think the average, if you were to just say how much is property management is sort of maybe like seven to 10%. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at like a thousand dollar rent and it's a hundred dollars and you're like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, I'm only cash flowing on a thousand bucks. You're probably only cash flowing like a couple of hundred bucks. And then <laughs> percent of that is in the property management. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to like prosper from that property because it's going to appreciate and the, the tenants yeah. are paying down the mortgage and this yeah. and that. So it's, it's important to, to keep that in mind, but yeah, property management can be a very costly and, and their fee 99% of the time doesn't include snow removal and grass cutting and leaf collection and, and that sort of stuff. So that's, I got a quote for grass cutting. It was like $40 a week. Yeah. That's, that. so that's quite a bit of money. <laughs> you want $160 a month uh-huh. to cut my grass. I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> Sell this house and get into the grass cutting business. <laughs> right. That's too seasonal. <laughs> well, it is, but I'm just thinking to myself, like my cash flow on this house is 400 bucks. Yeah. You want almost half of that just to cut the lawn. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, no. You de- again, you definitely have to do your homework. You have to see, you know, what, what's the value versus price, right? I think that's kind of like what you're trying to say. You got to very uh, effectively determine that, figure out your criteria, and most importantly, have that 10% or five, 7%, whatever it may be in your calculations when you are purchasing these properties. Because if I'm uh, here in Toronto and I want to invest in Windsor, there's no way I'm checking down four hours <laughs> to cut the grass or shovel the snow. That's, that's, that I don't want to be getting calls in the middle of the night to say, Oh, my uh, boiler broke down. Right. So absolutely. You just have to make sure that if, if that's your plan, again, what is it that you want? Right. If you want more peace of mind, you just want your money to grow, then you got to have all these the systems in place. Otherwise, you're going to be in for a big ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because, you know, for the, the four hours away thing, I'm almost glad that I started by investing four hours away because if it was uh, if it was two blocks away, I would be checking on that house every day. I would probably go on my evening walk past that house and then I would be seeing, oh, they didn't cut the grass or they didn't trim that tree. Or they <laughs> and I would drive myself crazy. Yeah. In, in all that sort of stuff. Right. So, I mean, you can certainly save money if you can be a little bit more hands on. Um, like locally, you might even say, like, just go cut the grass yourself. Yeah. Uh, or- Often or not, I think you can make a deal with with the tenants. I feel like a lot of tenants are pretty open to that. So, um, you know, you, you cut them yeah, a little bit of a. Right. You cut them a little bit off their, their monthly, give them $50 per month, whatever it may be or whatever the range may be. They, they'll cut the grass gladly for you. So I, I just want to add on to that. Um, I've heard that tip too. And it's, yeah. I, I used to pay my tenant to, to clean the, the front walk as well. Uh-huh. Um, but a tip that I heard was, so if you, if you take it off their rent, then that affects the income that's coming in, right? So when you report your income, that 50 bucks times 12 isn't on your income. But if you get them to pay their full rent and then offer them something back in like a $50 grocery gift card or something of that nature, now that can be written off as a gift or an Mm -hmm. expense of some sort. I mean, grocery is probably a bad example because you can only write off like 50% of food or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like maybe they really like Best Buy and you'd get them a Best Buy gift card or whatever. So that's a good way to pay for the services rather than have it come directly out of the rent. That's a good tip. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. Um, I think um, electronics, no, not electronics. Yeah, food food is a tricky one. I think you can only do 50%. Food is uh, but I believe if you do, like you said, a gift card, uh, you can do Visa gift cards. I mean, it's literally cash. Right. In a way, and you can write that off. I think that's probably the best option you could do. So that's a very good tip. Yeah. I'm going to actually, I totally forgot about that. I should be implementing that myself. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> I got a golden nugget too today. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, I think these, pod, these podcasts are great because like 
I'm, I'm actually going to start one myself in the new year. And I look yeah. at it like it's an entirely selfish thing because I get to talk to a whole bunch of people and pick their brains. That's right. <laughs> so it's That's like right. a learning experience for me, right? Yeah. And it's networking, right? I mean, the way I, I came across this whole uh, was the two things. I'm like, listen, I want to give back to the community. Secondly, this way I'm forced to network. Right. I'm talking to you've been trying to connect for how long? It's been yeah. quite a long time. Right. And then we finally made, made it happen. Right. Because there's at least some incentive for you, because now you, you're going to be you know, featured and people are going to hear your story yeah. and they're going to connect with you. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a win win for everybody. Right. So that's what I love about podcasting and other sorts of networking, because unfortunately, we don't have, you know, uh, the ability to visit each other anymore. And because of the whole COVID or meet up somewhere. So. Um, you got to be a little bit creative. And I think, you know what, this makes it even quite easier because you're sitting at your house and I'm sitting at my house, right? At like 930. Yeah. <laughs> comfortable. Yeah. 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 So let me, let me ask you some few more questions. We're going to go towards the end of our podcast here. So what I usually like to do towards the end of the segment is just ask more specific questions about kind of learn about yourself. So I know you, we touched upon, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad already. So besides Rich Dad Poor Dad, what, what two other books would you recommend somebody looking into starting real estate? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I, I see you've got a, quite a bit of a collection over there. <laughs> um, well, one of the current ones that I, I've just finished uh, for the second time, actually, is The Slight Edge by, um, by Jeff Olson. Yeah. That was really good. Um, a lot of like small just doing small things every day towards a bigger goal and uh and don't get overwhelmed that's more of a mindset book but i think that really you know especially because real estate is entrepreneurial yeah and you have to do a lot of stuff and you know you when you're starting out you can't necessarily outsource everything that you want to and so just sort of breaking it down into chunks and not getting overwhelmed um like i the first six months i was like <laughs> well, I figured some stuff out. Um, but yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was was also kind of a mindset in that it, it gets you thinking about how to properly use money. Um, it's not even really, you know, a real estate book, um, sort of by definition. I, hmm. um, another book that uh, comes to mind is, I think it's by Scott Trench of Bigger Pockets Publishing. And it's called Set for Life. And that book always really stuck with me. Again, it's a bit of a mindset book, unfortunately. But it it has some big ideas on things like how to how to treat your money and how to think about money. Um, like one of the bigger takeaways from that is, you know, don't sacrifice your cup of coffee or uh, some small pleasures in life. The biggest expenses we have in life are our vehicle and the costs associated around that are our living expenses. Right. And so it kind of promoted like a, a higher level thinking to me, which was if you work close to home, you don't need the vehicle. And, and better yet, if my home is my office, it's double purpose. Um, or do you, you know, it's sort of like what you're realizing too, or your, your, you know, your demographic of people who live in condos is realizing this is costing me a lot and there's no real reason for me to be here. Right. So it's that making that big shift in your mindset. It's like, where's your money really going? You know, right. it's not going to Starbucks, even yeah. though it seems expensive. Yeah. So that, that was a, a kind of a financial literacy book. And I think that those are expensive or are, are, are important because a real estate book. I mean, I could mention literally any real estate book mm -hmm. and real estate is real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I think most every book says the same thing because it's all, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Like it, when it's you get thing. really, when you get really granular is when you're experienced and, and now you're dealing with the nuances, but out of the gate, like I said, in the beginning of this, this uh, podcast, real estate is like, five strategies with like five dwelling types that are interlaced in different ways. And that's basically it. Yeah. You know? oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. We, we tend to forget that, you know, um, our biggest expense is really our cost of living, right? That people will spend 50 to almost 60%, especially with the way things are going now in the market on just living and just to have a roof over your head. So if you can figure out a way 
to cut that, that's that's yes, another 20, 30% in your pocket per month just off that. House hacking is probably the most brilliant thing that I've ever come across. And I wish Absolutely. that it started that way. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. For anybody starting, try to live at, live at home as long as possible, A, B, save your money, and then house hack. Get a, get a, you know, a rental unit where you can live in, in one and then rent the other. So you have, again, some sort of income coming in or at least paying half of your expenses for you per month. So huge, yeah. huge tip there for sure. And um, there's a certain amount of, if I can just add, um, sure. the, the idea of a bit of sacrifice. So, so I, like I said, I have a small house. Uh, I think my whole house is probably 600 square feet. It's like pretty incredible. Um, but I do have a basement and I actually built a wall in my, like my hallway kind of comes into the living room and then it goes like there's another stairs down to the basement. I actually built a little privacy wall in my living room to encapsulate that so that I could turn my basement into a, a suite so that the tenant could could kind of come and go without bothering me because they had right. to come through the house. And so I, I chopped up an, like 200 square feet of my house out of 600 to have a tenant in the basement because it was like that started to pay for my house. There you it go. Paid, it paid a third of my mortgage. Mm-hmm. My neighbor next door They've got their house divided so many ways. I can't even tell you. They have two sisters <laughs> in the back. They have her her uh, sister in the basement. Uh, and then they live on the other side of the basement or something like that. And it's just like Toronto's expensive. And if you want to oh, yeah. live here, you know, you can have the luxury of owning the whole space in your house. You need 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 square feet. But like, unless you're making a ton of coin and that doesn't even affect you maybe you need to make some some sacrifices about you know chopping up your living space and i'm i'm hearing for the last several years that uh two families buying a house together is not um unheard of these days yeah yeah i know you have to because of the way how prices have gone up and qualifications have changed too right so that's absolutely true and it makes sense right like you're, you're going in there because um, especially even if you even look at pre-construction, like you're expected to pay about at least 10%. And we're talking about homes that are 600,000. Uh, actually, no, 15% isn't the norm, not even 10. Um, and then the way they structure it is like, you know, uh, say 30,000 on, on signing and then 30 in 30 days and then 20. And so like, that's a lot of cash to just have sitting, you know, at home. So a lot of folks don't have that. So going in with a partner makes absolute, um, sense. And, uh, yeah, well, what about traveling? Are you in, into big traveling? So if, if you were to go anywhere, where would be, where would it be? That's, that's a bad question to ask right now. No, I'm not doing any traveling. <laughs> well, if you could. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not really a big traveler. Um, to be honest with you, my, I, I'm, I'm too lazy to make the arrangements. <laughs> if, if somebody else says, here's a trip, you just have to pay me 1200 bucks and, and we're going on Tuesday then I'd be perfectly willing to do it. Um, Most of my traveling has been Caribbean. uh, And I think that's just sort of common for most people to get away in the, in the, in the winter months. But Mm -hmm. I did like Europe. I like Europe for the art, the architecture and the history. And I, where exactly Europe? um, Well, let's say I, England mostly, because I had some uh, family and friends over there. Right. But it's just to think, you know, Canada's 200 years old or whatever. We're a baby. We're a baby. Like the building. So I've got ancestral um, heritage in Edinburgh and we went there and it was like Edinburgh Castle and it was like, I don't know, a thousand years old or whatever it is. (laughs) This is incredible, you know? Yeah. So I don't have any specific place, but I have, I have decided that I want to be in winter. I want to be somewhere where it is warm yeah doesn't have to be sunny in a beach could be i got family in victoria so you know what maybe i'll, I'll head over there for the winters and i'll be i'll be um what do you call it a a snowbird at, right. at 40 because <laughs> um, i just like the the cold doesn't bother me but the limitations like i usually go for a walk and like i said and i have to walk on the streets because yeah. the sidewalks are too slippery Right, right. I can't do that during the day because obviously there's cars. So at night I go and walk right down the middle of the street kind of thing. 
So if I had to travel, it would be it would be somewhere that is consistently warm or had a lot of history. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I totally agree. Um, I'm the same way. That'll be my my my. Uh, I prefer warm temperatures. So that would be that's the long term goal. I want to be able to live six months out of a year somewhere nice and warm. Although I have heard great things about Iceland. I heard it's really beautiful. A couple of friends went there. The the hot springs are apparently unbelievable. So I never I went to one. So I would love to explore that. That'd be amazing. I might give that a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Andrew, if if there was one piece of advice you can give to somebody looking to start in real estate investing, what would it be? From what you know now, we, we kind of touched up on it earlier, but if you could pick one thing, what would that be? That's a tough one. I'm going to be remembered forever. This is going to be in the t- the history books. I have to answer this right. <laughs> it's <called> um, archives. <laughs> I mean, I think that the real key is to act. I mean, that sounds like such a cliche, but I spent a year reading, like I said, a hundred books and this and that. And at some point you start to realize all the real estate books do say the same thing. All the podcasts, more or less, there's a common thread. It's, it's you know, oh, I need to learn more and more. Mm-hmm. You can buy as many books as you want. You're not going to learn more after you've read about half a dozen or a dozen. You know, read, right. six, read six mindset books that are like bestsellers and right. read six bestseller real estate book and then just like get going. You know, because that's 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 all you really need. And then, you know, work on it, obviously, throughout mm-hmm. time. But the one thing that I didn't take advantage of, and maybe this is the bigger look through the Facebook groups. I, it's so prevalent right now to be be part of a community. And I think that when I was starting out, I felt very much alone and I didn't have people to ask questions for. So I'm going to change. So you got to act. That's that's you have to do that, obviously. Yep. But but reach out in the community, get into to uh, pay, pay for memberships to these groups if you have to. A couple of hundred bucks in the grand scheme seemed like a lot of money or, or you know, 50 bucks a month or whatever. Seemed like a lot to me back then. Now it's just like I have the mindset of I'm going to recoup that money a hundredfold. Right. So, so just, just do it. And I mean, there's, there's, you could dip your toes with some free, free Facebook groups. And then and then move on to the pay ones. And when you get a bit more comfortable, I actually wouldn't even be afraid to pay bigger amounts of money. Um, you really do. I mean, I used to think it was all bullshit and marketing ploys in the beginning, but I mean, I I pay tens of thousands of dollars for coaching and mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. So Right. Get around the right people, get in a community um, and you'll feel a lot better. And like, if you're on Facebook, you can reach out to me and be like, Oh, Andrew, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Or like, how do I buy this house or whatever? And we <laughs> will answer your question. Yeah. That's because what we're waiting for. There's also a very big difference between the books you're going to read. They're going to teach you the, the, the fundamentals, right? The books can't, guide you through your emotional side that you're scared of, of buying your first house or the books can't not navigate a specific problem that you're having because your finances and your taxation and your, your, your personal situation are different. You know, the books are speaking mm-hmm. in generalities, right? So once you get that base knowledge that this is what a burr is, this is what a buy and hold means. This is like learn the terms and the jargons and, and all that sort of stuff then you need to have people around you that can support you and answer um, specific questions and the referrals, right? So yeah. like I said about property managers and stuff like that, how much easier would my life have been um, if I had more people to refer? So that's what I do now. Like I start seeing somebody's talking about contractors and I start seeing the same name over and over people. Right. Uh, uh, I know who my next property manager is going to be. If my guy packs it up or, or shits the bed or whatever, I know who it's going to be because I've seen the same name over and over and over in the groups. Right. Right. Exactly. I don't need it today, but yeah. I, know, I know who I'll, I'll need in you know five years or whatever. Awesome. Um, and then the last question, I mean, uh, what are some, some, some of the failures you've experienced? I mean, we always talk about success, but we never talk about failures. 
how this is a whole nother like podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you could do a quick one. Doesn't have to be many. Just this one that you can think of. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, I've, I've over renovated. I look at some of my properties and I wonder if I could have chosen cheaper materials or if I didn't, um, <clears throat> like what value did I really get out of this or that? And I think that's a, a bit of a learning experience. Like I, I, there's a, uh, sliding scale of, like, obviously, you're not going to put a marble countertop in a thousand dollar a month apartment mm-hmm. in Windsor. Um, that's really obvious. But then there's there's other little things, um, you know, like that light fixture doesn't have to be fancy or that, uh, you know, don't buy a expensive taps or I don't know, like just overall, you can get you can get carried away in a, in a rental property um, if you start thinking it like it's kind of like your house where you want it to be proper, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier about that perfectionist attitude or, or mentality. Like I, I have that too. And it, you know, that's actually one of the things that I'm trying to pound out of myself um, because it, it, it prevents me from just moving forward and, and, and I get lost in the weeds a lot and, and stuff like that. And I, and I know, you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. But so when I'm, when I'm in a property, there's a certain amount of me that just says, well, that has to be done. Cause that's the proper way. Right. And from a monetary sense, you need to sort of curb that and say, you know, okay, this is a, a rental apartment. There's going to get damaged. You need to maybe, I don't know. There's, there's, if you, if you start looking at rental properties, you're going to see some really messed up shit yeah. and, and people were okay with that. Yeah. Even, even in a half decent neighborhood, like I worry about, the aesthetics of like how even the door frame is to the ceiling or this or that. I was like, well, someone's going to have a real problem with that. You know, like, no, they're not. Only you are. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you definitely, yeah, I'd point out something very important, which is strategic renovations, right? So you got to look at your return on that investment. So, you know, putting in laundry, for example, in my, in my opinion, is very important because that would attract better tenant for you and you can charge up a little bit more right because people see the value in that right versus like you said if i want to pick this specific countertop that's gold or is white nobody gives a crap about that like they just want something that they can cut their vegetables on use you know and and away they go right as long as it's not run down um you know of course you got to make it look nice that i think that needs to be appealing but you got to be careful where you spend your money but I mean, when you're when you're spending, you know, twenty grand, twenty five grand, it's very easy to get into that. Oh, it's just fifty bucks more. Oh, it's just a hundred. And your renovation can can get, get sort of a creep to it. That uh, you know, I I did a renovation early on this year that was like seventy five thousand dollars or something like that, and like the whole house was. At the end, I, I mean, I, I lifted the appraisal, the appraised value over a hundred thousand dollars. Right. But it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't a, it wasn't a great burr. Like it, I had right. to leave about forty grand in that house, and I was very unhappy with myself. Right. Right. Um. So to eliminate that, do you have like a certain like you know uh, list of materials and stuff that you stick by? I know, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of investors kind of tend to do that. They have like a list. And they basically make every single house look almost the same because they know how much the material costs. They know how much the labor will be, for instance, right? So they have a good idea for their budgets. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I tend to make my budgets uh, fairly loosely in the beginning mm-hmm. um, because I, I just like look at something. I'm like, okay, the bathroom's going to be 4,500 and the kitchen's going to be 6,500 and the floors are going to be, you know, three bucks a square foot plus whatever. And, so I do like rough math like that. And then right. when it starts to really, you know, you're getting the quotes in and then you have to start to pick and choose what you do and don't do. But o- overall, I mean, yeah, like the materials, I, I tend to use more or less the same, the same thing or the same, the same caliber, you know? So um, sometimes, you know, for example, Home Depot might not have that tap, but you're still going to get like, you're not going to go from a $65 tap to $165 tap. It's still going to be like 
60 right. million, you know, or $70 range kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's always good to keep. I mean, the, the first thing that I realized, and like, I haven't done a ton of, of, uh, of renovations this year. Like I, I really kind of take this year as a reset. Like, even though I have six properties, mm-hmm. I didn't renovate two of them and two of them I had from two years ago. So I don't really count that. So really it's, it's like two properties that I like put my systems in place on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I realized very quickly that, yeah, I just like, just use the same, the same materials. If, uh, if I have a couple houses, like I, I have a house on the go and then like, I know that my closing for the next house is like a couple of months away and there's a sale on like, I'll buy like 5,000 square feet of flooring at one time to enough to accommodate both houses type of thing, um, to save on, you know, the, the materials there. And, uh, and just, it's easier for your contractors. If you just say, this is the, this is the, uh, got chrome plated single pole tap uh, bathroom fixtures and just even like use the same one. Like if you can get, I'm, I'm going into the weeds a bit here. I apologize. Sorry. But sometimes there's like, there's a situation where the, the tap comes straight out and then sometimes you might have the sideways sink or whatever. Uh-huh. So it's like, I come to the conclusion even that the tap that I would have put on a front facing might be different than the tap that I would put on a side facing, but why don't I just get the tap for the side facing and use that for everything? Right. Cause it, it, the one tap won't do both purposes, but the other tap will do both purposes. Right. So it's like really simplify the way that you're doing things. Um, Do your, 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 your vanities, you know, you can buy an out of the box vanity, just pop that in every, every home. There are going to have to be adaptations, um, you know, like a powder room vanity doesn't serve for a full sized bathroom vanity. Like obviously it's going to be too small. So you may have to have some variations, but, mm-hmm. um, but generally yeah, having like a materials list, the only, the only problem with materials lists that I, I, I'm kind of frustrated by is that I've got this really extensive chart that has literally a, a little pick and it has a skew it has the price, the description, you know, it has like everything basically like the website. Right. And I made that so that I could actually help in the process where the contractor wouldn't have to waste time going shopping. So if I email them this list, they just put a number next to the quantity of what they need. And mm-hmm. then I order it online and they just need to pick it up a week later or whatever, a couple of days later. So what I was finding was that I place an order for 25 or 30 items. And then when the contractor goes, like what I didn't notice is that when they go to pick it, so I place the order and I don't, I don't really pay any attention anymore until uh-huh. I get an email that says, come and pick it up. Right. But what I didn't realize is, is when they go to pick the order, they like, they just don't have it sometimes. So then the contractor goes to pick up the, the skid of stuff and they get it and they're like, well, out of 50 items, there's only like 35 here. Hmm. So then it's like, oh, fuck, now what, you know? <laughs> so I don't think there's a perfect solution. No. I, I think you just kind of do the best you can. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, in, in an ideal world, it would be good if you can, again, if you have this certain criteria or this list would be, it's like you buy bulk and you store it in your warehouse, right? And then you just deploy as you need. But that would be something that, you know, you need to get to a certain amount of uh, X amount of dollars in business in order to, hell, to have that. Hell right? of a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. then you have to also then offset the, the, the cost of storing it. as Exactly. Um, yeah. You essentially have overhead costs now <laughs> where you didn't have before. So there's definitely pros and cons. But yeah, if you get to that level and that volume, in that case, it actually it makes sense, right? You save a lot of time shopping around. I, I, I've actually heard of some a company in the States that does so many flips that they actually, uh, I think either they bought out or started a, a kitchen cabinet company. Wow. Because they were doing so many cabinets that they just <laughs> manufacture them themselves now. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Spin-off businesses. It, it happens, right? You figure something out that others see value. Why not, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Andrew. This, this has been amazing. I know you gave us so much information and like, I love it. Like there were so much golden nuggets here for us to learn and to deploy in our business. So uh, yeah, me. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you were awesome. Uh, so I, I hope everybody watching got great value out of this. And uh, yeah, if for folks that want to connect with you, Andrew, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm at Andrew Cox REI uh, everywhere. So YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you can find me anywhere with that. Perfect. And I'll have uh, Andrew's uh, information in the show notes. So anybody looking to reach out to Andrew, please do so. A great contact to have. He's absolutely amazing. So he'll be more than happy to answer your questions. So definitely connect with him. Awesome. Thanks awesome. again. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you could do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. I'll post the links in the show notes for those accounts you can find me. I love bouncing ideas off people and I love talking real estate. Thanks. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a couple properties away. Thank you.